Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. The next time we will be on the air will be on Monday. Game five will have been played. A potential game six will have been played. So if we go on the air, there could be a game seven. But let's make the assumption, Terry. The Avs close it out either tonight or on Sunday in Tampa. We'll talk about the con Smythe. And I'll be honest with you, I've been covering hockey for a long time, as have you. I cannot remember where the con Smythe has been so incredibly open for a team that could win the cup, you know, at the end of the day, the Tampa Bay Lightning will have to win three in a row. So if the Avalanche win this series, I think you could make a case for a bunch of guys winning the Conn Smythe, can't you? I would vote for Kale McCarr right now, but Ranton and Landis Cog and McKinnon also deserve consideration. Right. And I think McCarr is probably the leader in the clubhouse for sure. I think there would be a sentimental vote for Kadri, considering even though he didn't play throughout. He missed every three game. game. He missed three games in the final. Though. However, he had two monumental moments. He might have had the two biggest moments outside of Kale McCarr having five points in the clincher against Edmonton. If that was the top moment you can say McKinnon scoring you know three goals or two goals right yeah but but they lost it it was an amazing goal that was forgotten quickly correct and they lost so with Kadri gets a hat trick coming off of racially charged death threats and then coming back uh from thumb surgery and scoring the game-winning goal he wasn't a big factor no in game four but at the end of the day That's what people remember. He scored the game-winning goal. You can make the case he's had the two biggest moments for the Avalanche during this cup run. I would suggest that it would be Makar in the clincher, but Kadri, he might get some sentimental votes, don't you think? Yes, he might, but uh, the other issue here is the vote is... I I was vice president of the Professional Hockey Writers Association for several... for about a decade, and... I think at that time, and I don't know if it's changed or not, the vote was taken before, well before the game is over. It's one of those where you have to vote sooner than the conclusion of the event that it's supposed to be denoting as the winner of the trophy. And so I don't know exactly when it will be taken. But, but if you're looking for something like, like the game-winning goal in overtime, that won't necessarily enter into the thinking of who wins the Smythe Trophy. Let's go back to the last two Conn Smythe winners for the Avalanche. Patrick Watt, 2001. That was a no-brainer. But in 1996, it was Joe Sackick. And when you look at his point total, McCarr, I believe, in games played, 
has been better. Was it a no-brainer back in 1996? I don't think so, but I think the, the Avalanche had, had tremendous talent up and down the roster, so I don't imagine that it, that it was an easy no-brainer decision. I'd have to go back and look at it. To be on, perfectly honest, that was uh, 26 years ago. Where would you say Makar is right now? And, and I mean in terms of the national perspective. Top three player, top five player, top seven player, top ten player. Top five player. Uh, I think nationally he's very, very recognized and has become a, a very compelling story because of his age. He's only 23 and the way he's burst onto the scene since coming out of UMass. But uh, I, I don't think he's in the top, top three yet, no. If he wins the Con Smythe, does he move into the top three? I think it would be more of a, a confirmation than an elevation. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's now a Norris winner, which will be recognized in every description of him moving forward. And so I think it would just be more of a confirmation for his move into the top five players in the league. McKinnon, top five, top ten. McKinnon is a top five. He's a three-time Hart Trophy finalist, for heaven's sake. Okay. Uh, and uh, he should have won it at least once when Taylor Hall won it. So I think McKinnon's or McKinnon is confirmed to be up there. Okay. So if he's top three, does he move any higher if he wins the Conn Smythe? No, I don't think that's simply enough to do it. Uh, we're still looking at, at Connor McDavid being the best player in the NHL. Now, with the way McCarr kind of contained him, if you started a team tomorrow and you can pick anybody off of anybody's roster, who would you pick? Oh, I'd take Connor McDavid. In a, you with, would? With, with I, I, Kale McCarr as a close second. I would take McCarr. Okay. I wouldn't take Connor McDavid. I know what Connor McDavid is capable of. I totally understand that. There are not a lot of Connor McDavid's out there. I'm with you on that. Although you can make a case for Austin Matthews. Yeah. You can make a case for Leon Dreisaitl. I voted for Austin Matthews for the Hart Trophy. Okay. And you were right. You can make a case for Nathan McKinnon. There's nobody in the league like McCarr. And I know Victor Hedman is terrific. And I know the guy out of Nashville is terrific. Roman Yossi. But, right. I mean, McCarr's the best defenseman in the league. I know he won the Norris Trophy, so that seems like an obvious statement. But he didn't but get the most first-place vote, so it was kind of a weird vote. Well, I don't really care how people voted. I know what I see, and I can promise you, everybody who voted did not watch him as much as you and I did. True. So, with that, I think McCarr is the best player in the league because of his position and how much he dominates at his position. I don't have any problem with that view. Uh, he did have a couple of flat spots during the playoffs. Sure. But not. But everybody has those flat spots. How much do you think Kadri has elevated his stock as a free agent? Well, I think what he's done is, is really get out the, throw out the window the concept that he's a selfish player that makes stupid decisions, takes dumb penalties. He's, he's kind of throw, he's jettisoned that bad boy image. And I think that's a very, very effective way to prove your worth on the free agent market too. And I, you know, you didn't ask me about it, but I think the interesting thing is it's not hometown discount so much as I wonder if Nazem Kadri and the avalanche will get together and say, this is, this is a good marriage here. And if you go somewhere else, we, we don't know what's going to happen. And I, I, and maybe, you know, the magnitude of the financial sacrifice he'd make, it wouldn't necessarily be a quote hometown discount. I think it would be a recognition that it's, it's a, it's a good unity between the team and player. Okay, so I'll ask you, because you're closer to this than I am. 
What do you think the Avs could probably top out at with Kadri? And what do you think he could top out at around the league? Uh, I think he could top out here around seven million around the league, maybe nine. I got to tell you, if I'm Kadri, knowing the way this organization has supported him and treated him, knowing that this <clears throat> could be a cup-winning team, I would stay here and I wouldn't even think about it. I wouldn't either. I mean, after everything that has happened, the way they supported him last year when he got suspended, then with the death threats, then with the thumb, I think that Bednar is the perfect coach for him. And I understand $2 million is $2 million, and then over the lifetime of a deal, I don't know how many years he'd wind up getting, but at the end of the day, and you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. If it's me and I'm offered $9 million and $7 million and I know where I'm really, really happy, I would definitely take a $2 million discount because $7 million is enough for me. It is. I would not go for, I would not go for $9 million, start all over again. <laughs> and here's, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Kadri goes someplace for $9 million. He will be expected to be the best player on that team. Top, he'd have to be a top-line player to make, it, make him worth right. that. Not, just, right. not a second-line center as he is here. Here, he can not necessarily play in the shadows, but he knows he's not McKinnon. He knows he's not Makar. He's certainly not Landeskog because Landeskog's the captain. And you can make the case he's not Rantanen. The pressure will never truly be on him. And I think that's a good place to be unless he wants to go Jeremy Grant and take a ton of money and be the number one guy and score 25 points a game. Now, if he wants to To go Jeremy Grant, he'll let the the, uh, Avalanche wait until, like, 18 seconds before they need to, to make right. him an offer. I would absolutely stay here if I'm Kadri. And you know what? If he does stay here and he takes $7 million, I think it's a great deal for both sides. The pressure Coming will be up, on him. The pressure yeah. will still be on him. Yeah. Coming up after the break, you had a chance to cover Mark Crawford, Stanley Cup champion coach. Bob Hartley, Stanley Cup championship coach. I'll ask you, when you compare those two guys to Bednar, Where is Bednar compared to them? That's next. I'm a slide anytime you want. Put your mission there. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Harmazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Not only at Rocky Mountain Forest Products are you going to get the best price because it's wholesale, but they work directly with the lumber mill, so you are going to get the best product as well. So this summer, if you're building a deck or a fence or anything that requires lumber, highly recommend you go with Rocky Mountain Forest Products. You can find them again at rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. 
If the Avalanche win tonight or they win this series, they will have three cups with three different coaches. Terry, I'll lean on you for this because I watched, obviously, the Avalanche in 1996 and 2001, but you covered those teams intimately. So you have Bednar, Mark Crawford, Bob Hartley. How would you compare Bednar to those other two guys? I think he's the best coach they've had now. I'm ready to come around to that no matter what happens over the course of the series. And I think, of course, I'm kind of assuming the Avalanche will win the series now. But there's some qualification and some and some distinctions that need to be made here. Number one, in 1996, the Avalanche, Mark Crawford was the head coach. Joel Quinville was the assistant coach. Together, that, that combination still might be number one if you look at it that way. Because what it was was everybody has a, somebody like this they need. Mark Crawford was the volatile head coach. Joel Quenville was the guy who would say, we can't do that, or this is what we have to do, Mark. And that was a valuable, valuable adv- advisory role for Joel Quenville for a young, very young, volatile head coach in Mark Crawford. So that's the qualification. In 96, you have to look at it as a two-headed monster. And what, Hartley? Bob Hartley was, uh, in my mind, just a, such a compelling figure. I went up to Hawkesbury, his hometown, saw where he came from, his roots. And in that sense, he's very similar to having paid his dues uh, immensely to Jared Bednar. They both kind of worked their way up. And so I think Hartley, Hartley and Bednar are the, are the two closest in similarity. And they kind of remind me of each other. So I would, I would uh, Hartley was very much old school in a lot of ways. And, but he ended up winning the Jack Adams Trophy at Calgary, too. So he did it more than just here. So, I mean, that's a way to compare them. I would put Bednar number one now, Hartley number two. He's a tremendous teacher. And I, all the players you talk to about him in the past and then have, have Crawford number four. But the, 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 with Quenville uh, thrown in there as a head coach too. But that, you're talking about the coaches who won the Stanley Cup as a head coach. So that, that's, been... kind of a, that's kind of an asterisk. Now, even now, Jared Bednar has Nolan Pratt working with him, running the defense. So that in a sense, that's another two-headed monster similar to the Crawford-Quenville teaming. Yeah, but you know what? Bednar doesn't need a babysitter like Crawford did. <laughs> I, I like Mark Crawford. I know a lot of people despise him because of what happened with Steve Moore. And there's no, nobody on the planet who's written more about Steve Moore and Todd Bertuzzi than me. But I understand Mark Crawford, what he was. He's, he's, he's uh, demonstrated tremendous angst over what happened. I still like the guy. So I've been here since 2004 and I've seen, uh, you know, teams advance like we have seen the avalanche advance to the cup finals with that, the mark of a great manager or coach, when you're talking about a single season is a guy who has the ability to pull all the right lovers at the right time. I'll give you two examples in 2007, Clint Hurdle pulled every correct lever. Now, I understand what happened when they got to the World Series, and the layoffs certainly affected them. Uh, Dan O'Dowd told me he believes it would have been a much more competitive series against the Red Sox had the Rockies not had such a layoff. I think the Boston Red Sox were simply a better team, top to bottom, with Beckett leading their rotation. And then you look at their lineup, which was a lineup that just absolutely mashed and two young stars in Pedroia and Ellsbury, and then you have Ortiz and Euclid and Manny Ramirez. Layoff, no layoff, 
the Boston Red Sox were a better team. I, I liked the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were good, but they caught the Rockies at the wrong time. Then I look at 2015. I know that everybody wants to talk about the defense, and I know that Wade Phillips did a fantastic job. But make no mistake about it, I was very close with that team. Gary Kubiak was absolutely brilliant as a head coach. He handled the so-called quarterback controversy with Manning and Osweiler as well as anybody could have handled it. He addressed the team. He kept everybody in the loop. He was honest with the media, and his players respected him, and they played for him. I understand what Wade Phillips did, and Wade Phillips was fantastic with that defense. If Gary Kubiak is not the head coach of the Denver Broncos, they do not win a Super Bowl, even if Wade Phillips is the defensive coordinator. They do not win without Gary Kubiak being the head coach. Well, I re- now, let, what's up? I realize there were health issues involved, but why Why wasn't he happy and why didn't he stay? Who's that, Kubiak? Yeah. Um, well, it is my understanding that in 2016, the offense wasn't very good, and Elway wanted Kubiak to let go of some of his friends like Dennison, Rick Dennison, and Gary didn't want to do that. It was pretty much that simple. Just didn't want to do it. I think Gary was ready to probably retire anyway, but Elway said, you got to let go of Dennison. You got to let go of a couple of other guys. And Gary is just too loyal of a guy to his credit. He's loyal. But at the end of the day, Elway said, these guys have to go. And Gary was having none of it. I mean, at the end, he, if you, if you remember at the end of Gary Kubiak's career, he drew the line in the sand with Elway as the ultimate FU saying, you know what? I'm starting Trevor Simeon in the yeah. finale, not your guy, Paxton Lynch. Yeah, I remember that. So with that, let's talk about Bednar pulling the right levers. He did something earlier this series, meaning the last game, something that you completely disagreed with. He started Kemper. <laughs> yes, he started I, I Kadri. Completely disagreed with it. Started. He he's been pulling all the right levers, and you told me a terrific story about his conversation with Kemper before the start of Game Four. He basically on how said, he pulled the right lever. He basically said, "I don't care whether the outside media what they think of you. I don't care what so and so thinks of you. Do you still believe in yourself?" And you you did a demonstration on how. You can answer the question the same way with different tones of voice. And so Kemper was was responding enough to, I think, uh, uh, very, decl- very authoritatively declare that, yeah, I sure as hell do. He read the room correctly. You can say, yes, I'm ready, and look somebody in the eye, and then say, yes, I'm ready, and have your chin buried in your chest. The guy who has the chin buried in his chest, you know he's not ready despite the words coming out of his mouth. He played the Kadri card perfectly. No, Kadri wasn't great in game four, but at the end of the day, he scored the game-winning goal. I think it is fair to say Bednar appears to be unflappable. He appears to be a statue behind the bench. But at the end of the day, when you look at the way the Avalanche have conducted themselves through the playoffs – where Nashville was looking to pick fights and the blues were looking to pick fights. They took on his personality and remained composed. And the amazing thing to me is this is a guy whose career as a player was as an ECHL defenseman for the most part. He played in a couple of other leagues, 
But for the most part, that's what it was. And that's the most rough and tumble league there is. And you would think that that would, that would rub off on his coaching style, but he's been so adaptive and so willing to give the, not just giving the defenseman the carte blanche to jump into the play. It's to kind of step away from that and play smart. And they play, this is, this team plays pretty much smart. And you know, the other thing I, I'd like to point out about about the comparisons between Hartley and Bednar. Hartley, wa- Hartley was fired because they, they were perceived to be underachieving that they should have won the Stanley Cup in at least 1999 or 2000 when they lost in Game 7 to the Dallas Stars in back-to-back years when they didn't have the home ice. And Pierre Lacroix was, was just full of angst that they did not win more, more Stanley Cup championships. We should be talking about four or five as the precedents for this team. And so that's that's why Bob Hartley got fired. It was for alleged underachievement under under Pierre Lacroix. And so we saw that a little bit, that kind of thinking, the last couple of years with Jared Bednar that they, they couldn't get past the second round. And so that, that's another similarity that their images, were, although Bob Hartley did win a Stanley Cup with a great team, the perception was they underachieved. And so, right. and, so and Bednar had to overcome that too. Right, because you could have very easily made the case. They did not have enough fire to find their way into the Western Conference Final. Part of that and was could, because part of that was because Cadre, uh, Cadre's uh, right, Kadri's suspension last year. Right, and you can make the case Bednar was not able to control Cadre, and this team did not have enough fire to get to the Western Conference Final as they got swept by the Vegas Golden Knights. So the the talk was. This guy doesn't have enough fire. He can't motivate his guys. That's why he can't advance to the Western Conference Final. And now we are talking about that exact same personality and saying, boy, look at the poise of this team. You know, the amazing thing about Jared Bednar, too, is is if the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup and he hoists it, he hoists the Kelly Cup for the ECHL championship, both as a player and as a coach. He hoisted the, the uh, Calder Trophy as the... Uh, AHL champion with the Lake, Lake Erie Monsters. Now he, he potentially will be hoisting the Stanley Cup, and that's a pretty good record. That's a pretty good three-peat for an individual. When Patrick Waugh quit on this team right before I think the start You're of training, he quit on the team. Are you really arguing that? He quit on Joe Sackett. Well, I think Joe's turned out to be just okay. Yeah, because Patrick wanted his way with big defensemen. And as Joe has proven, you bring in a guy like Taves and you draft him a car, you'll do just fine. Yes. Right. Yes. So Joe was right. He quit on Sackick, which is quitting on the team. That's what he did. He left his players. So I guess my point well, is. Well, he thought it was getting the band back together and everything would be happy ever, happily right. ever after. Right. So when he quits on the team, that's what he did. Sorry, you're not going to move me off. This. <laughs> okay. He quit on the team. Okay. When they hired an absolute unknown in Bednar, did you think years later we'd be talking about Jared Bednar as arguably the greatest coach in Avs history? Heck no, I didn't think right? that. I, you know, and I did the, what, what is, what pretty much is the definitive profile to this day of him after he was hired, writing about his background and writing about all the dues he paid. And I thought it was just a great story, but I sure didn't see it coming, coming out this way. Coming up after the break, who wins tonight and why? And let's say the Lightning do win tonight. Can they win three straight? 
against the avalanche. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Low T99, testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to lowt99.com. All right, Terry, this is your last segment before you head on over to Ball Arena, and then Danny and I will wrap up the show for just in case you missed it. Who wins tonight's game, and how does it unfold? You know, I actually said earlier, I think in the in the gambling segment about, yep. I think I said it would be go over. Now, this is going to completely contradict that. I don't think you necessarily bet your prediction all the time either. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Vasilevsky steals it. I think it's the game that he steps up and does that. And I think I think the Lightning win uh, two to one or three to three to two. I think it's going to be hard for Kemper to have a repeat. You know, you and I have talked about it, Terry, that you need a goalie to steal a game or two. Well, he's gotten one, and that's great. I I don't know if he's fully capable of two. And you know what? Would you be surprised at all if Kemper gets pulled? No, I wouldn't. But. but- the only thinking there would be to would be to at least perverse preserve some of his kind of mentality for the next two games going forward if there are two more. I think the way this game unfolds is exactly what happened in game four. I think the abs will come out flying, but I think they're going to be limited on their space. Tampa is a desperate team, a back-to-back champion, um, but I think they're eventually going to run out of gas because I think the abs are just going to run them all over the ice. I think they'll be bottled up early. It wouldn't surprise me if the if it's. I wouldn't surprise me if it's a two to one score, Tampa after the first period or one nothing. I, I think, wouldn't be surprised at all. I think the other difference maker in this series is going to be that John Cooper set the tone after the game the other night with his kind of downer, what sounded like a concession speech. I mean, I didn't. I realize he didn't come out and say that when he was whining about perhaps. Uh, the Avalanche having too many men on the ice. But it came off like, like, oh, woe is us. And that sets a tone in your dressing room, too. A positive one or a negative one? Because that doesn't sound like a positive one to me. No, it's a negative one. Right. Uh, so, But I, I think that would be the potential difference if the Avalanche win tonight. I think that the Avs have won every way possible in this series. You look at the opening game. I mean, two overtime that, games and... Well, they they, out, they outplayed Tampa in the first game and won in overtime. They outplayed them. They outplayed them, and they won the first game. Second game, they blew them out. That's a different way to win. <laughs> in the last game, in Tampa, the third game, what about the third game? 
Third game, they got their doors blown off. Talking about the abs. Yeah. I'm talking about the abs have won every way possible. They have dominated essentially start to finish, but still won. Second game, they absolutely blew their doors off. But in the first game, they, they were better start to finish, but won a close one in overtime. In the second game, it was an absolute whitewash. In game four, Tampa played easily its best period of the playoffs and still lost. So I don't know if there's another way that Tampa can look at this game and say, how do we beat this team? I think we, they'll we, find a way. They might. They might very, but they've lost in every way possible. Getting completely dominated, okay, and losing 7 nothing, uh, potentially stealing game one because it went to overtime. They lose that one. They play great in the first period at home. And then it's not that they let their foot off the gas. I just think they got worn out. Yeah. I don't know if there's really another way for the Avs to win. Can you think of one? I think, I think they've won every way possible. Yeah, they have. And, but I do think the way Tampa Bay wins this game is, you know how energy, and this is going to sound contradictory, you know how energizing the atmosphere is going to be there, how anticipatory yep. it's going to be that, hey, the Stanley Cup's in the building. The, yep. other, the other factor that could come into play is if for Tampa Bay that works as a tremendous incentive of like, uh, uh, let me think of how to say it. The hell with those people. We're going to show them that there, we have, still have some life. And they're going yeah. to have to. They're at least going to have to wait to have that Stanley Cup uh, hoisting ceremony. The Avs are battling history, which is Vasilevsky is nothing short of the greatest goaltender in the history of the NHL when it comes to elimination games. Is that that's a fair and statement? Darcy Kemper, I, I know, I know Darcy Kemper is Darcy Kemper's record in clinching games. Well, I guess there haven't been many. No, they haven't. They haven't been on the brink of losing. In this in this series, or and not in this series, but in these playoffs. No, I mean if Darcy Kemper doesn't have a record of closing out teams either. Well, uh, for he as great as Patrick was, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll give the nod to Wah being the greatest goaltender of all time. Personally, I'd rather have Brodeur, but I'll give you Wah. No one has a record like Vasilevsky in no. a elimination game. No, he does not. Right. So all you have to do is maybe take a couple of chips. Out, out of the uh, out of the wall and maybe that damn burst maybe it does listen I thought I thought for a while watching game four I thought that game could end one nothing yeah, I really I did, did I really really did so let's say for the sake of argument the lightning win tonight you think they can win two more do you think they can no. win three straight against no, this no they team? can't no the Avalanche are still going to win the series regardless of what happens tonight I mean they'll win it tonight or they'll win it in game six and game seven I just think that we will be in the atmosphere and the uh, mentality of saying, hold on, hold on. The party's going to have to wait. You and I have never experienced this because we've never played for a Stanley cup. When you play for a super bowl, the trophy is in the building because it's one game. You can make the case. The trophy's in the building for baseball and for basketball, but the cup feels a little bit different. Do you think with the cup being in the building for game five, that has any effect whatsoever on the Avs players? No, not on the players. Only It's only on kind of the anticipatory atmosphere in the building. The players understand that, that, that the Cup's there. Yeah, and they will, it, it'd be a positive force, if anything, that, that this could be ours within a few hours. 
I th- I'd flip it around, Terry. You could make the case for Tampa. That's been our cup the last two years, yeah. and nothing's going home to Tampa on Sunday. Yeah, they're the defending champions, and they're not going to let it. They're not going to step aside lightly. So your final score is what? Uh, I, well, I said three to two or two to one. If you're going to make me pick one, I'll say three to two. I'll go with with the with the uh, lighting holding on at the end of the game. Because I'm thinking about an empty net goal. Because you brought up a good point earlier in the show that four minutes to go, they're they're going to keep that goalie out of there for some reason. The Lightning are behind. I'll go five three Avalanche. Okay. Yeah, with an empty net goal. Terry, go head on over Thanks. to Ball Arena. Thanks, Enjoy Terry. the game, Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Nigel. Danny, do you think we can hold down the fort for one more segment? I think we've got no choice but to find a way to manage. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? We will uh, take a look at Jeff Legwold's projected Broncos 53-man roster. We'll also talk a little bit about the Westminster Dog Show, a historic night there this week, and uh, some other news around the world of sports as some roles will be changing and we've got potential suspension. So lots to talk about on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. New Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Oh, good song, Danny. What does this song remind you of? Uh, reminds me of... The crowd at Ball Arena going crazy for the Avalanche, who have given them a lot to go crazy about this year. You and Nigel want to sing along right now? Go. No, this is actually usually when they stop singing along, from what I've heard. Well, do you guys want to sing anyway? No, that's all right. Sure? Yeah. I understand you were quite the thespian in high school. No, no, no. I I was not a thespian. Right. I was an athlete. I uh, <laughs> I didn't wow. I didn't do the whole drama thing. I was an thing. athlete, man. I didn't Those do the whole beers. drama thing. Yeah. Drama. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town, two for one wine, well, and drafts from three until seven p.m. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, earlier this week, Jeff Legwold released his 53-man roster projection for Already? the Denver Broncos. He did. It's an early projection. but it's really early. You know, he's just getting it out there, and uh, this way he probably has time to do a 2.0, 3.0 as we get closer to them actually cutting it down to 53. But he has the Broncos keeping nine linebackers. Hmm. But Malik Reed is not one of them. 
Wow. How surprised would you be if Malik Reed does not make this Broncos 53-man roster? I, I don't... Well... Well... I would be a little surprised, I suppose. Um, I mean, they, they've, they've moved some of the younger guys, some of the younger draft picks, to outside linebacker, and that's where Malik Reed plays, like a Browning, right? He's now an outside guy. Correct. So because of that... Um, and who else? Who else does he have making the uh, roster at linebacker? I don't have it in Jewel. front of me right now because right. it was an ESPN Plus, oh. and I have I have that on my laptop. I don't have it logged in here on the computer in the studio. Right. But obviously, Nick Benito was on there. Um, right. Alex Singleton, and there were a couple other younger guys who we had making it ahead of Reed for special teams depth purposes. Right. And I don't think Malik Reed plays a lot of special teams, if at all. And also they can wind up probably saving some money as well. Uh, I'll just look up. Uh, can we get some uh, uh, music, please, for uh, Jeopardy? That'd be great. And let me just look what his contract is. And then I can tell you what the uh, what the dead cap is. Thank you very much. Uh, so his contract is not coming up. Maybe he doesn't have a contract. So, um, hold on, salary, great radio, I know it is, uh, here we go. So, for Malik Reed, one, once this pops up, uh, Malik Reed, there is no dead cap on him. Maybe that's one reason why, no dead cap on him. He's, he's scheduled to make about $2.4 this year, you cut him, nothing goes on your cap. That might be a reason why. And he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Maybe that's one reason why that Legwald didn't put him on there. I can understand that argument. I uh, I like Malik Reed, so I hope he's on the team. Yeah. But it's tough to cut it down to fifty three. So yep. if you got to pick to have some extra guys on special teams, that's an area where the Broncos could probably use a little extra focus this year after their last couple years of special teams. Right. Just in case you missed it, Rob Palinka has said that if Russell Westbrook picks up his player option to be a Laker next season, conversations have taken place between Westbrook, Palinka, and new head coach Darvin Ham that Russ should focus on defense first and foremost. Oh, yeah, right. Now, this is a player in yeah. Russell Westbrook, the 2016-17 MVP, averaged 30-plus points in those seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh do you think he'll buy into that new role with the Lakers? He'll buy into it as much as Carmelo Anthony bought into playing defense. Russell Westbrook is an interesting character. He's a very strong personality, and Russ does what Russ wants to do. But at the end of the day, they the Lakers can't cut him. They're going to owe him. He's not a really good fit on that roster, even though LeBron James, the GM, I know Blink is, even though LeBron James thought that Russell Westbrook would be. But if Russell Westbrook wants to finally win a title, then he should listen. If not, he winds up potentially hurting the Lakers. So do you want to play a team game or don't you? And if it's all about scoring and for him, then so be it. But if he wants to win a title and they have a roster of talent, it doesn't mean they're going to win a title, but they certainly have a roster of talent. But the pieces really didn't fit together. And, and you're asking a guy at his age to suddenly start playing defense. How about Palinka ask Carmelo to play some defense? That's fair. He is he is another member of that older yeah. roster there. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an era of super teams, and we've seen it 
a lot recently with the Nets and the Lakers that sometimes it just doesn't mesh. Right, right. So I don't, I don't think Russell Westbrook would be thrilled about that, uh, but he's going to get paid. So what does he care? That is true. Yep. Just in case you missed it, Deshaun Watson's future remains uncertain despite his five-year, $230 million contract with the Browns. Now that he has settled 20 of the 24 civil suits accusing the quarterback of sexual misconduct, the NFLPA has concerns that the league will suspend Watson for all of the 2022 season and possibly indefinitely. What kind of discipline do you expect the NFL to impose on Watson? I expect a year, and then the union is going to fight it. That's what unions do. And I used to be part of a union. And I appreciate a union going to bat for somebody. Okay? I, that, that makes sense to me. However, it really bothers me when unions protect bad people. And I'm sorry. I understand he wasn't convicted criminally. And I know what happened with the grand jury. The guy's as guilty as you can possibly imagine. He just is. And if you believe that he isn't, well, then you probably believe that OJ was innocent too. I can't help you with that. The, the guy did something incredibly egregious, but the union is going to defend him because that's what unions do. And we see it with the police unions too, defending bad policemen. And that's why some of these guys keep going back on the street. And there are so many great policemen and police women out there and then you have the union defending some bad apples they keep going back on the streets and then you have a really bad situation where the policeman does something he's been brought up by internal affairs too many times then you find out later this guy or gal did something awful and the union defended him seven times and kept putting him back on the street I have seen uh, all around Twitter today that the police in Denver will be on high alert tonight. So yeah. I hope that everyone stays safe and is smart and respectful. And uh, no matter what happens the rest of the evening, that everyone has a uh, good weekend and doesn't Cel do anything out of bounds. Celebrating doesn't mean turning over somebody's car. It also doesn't mean start a bonfire in the middle of the street. It also doesn't mean looting. Have a good time. Enjoy it. We haven't seen a championship since 2015, right? So go have a great time. I hope the police grease all of the light poles so, so no idiot tries to climb to the top and then probably winds up falling. This is a reason to celebrate, not to do damage. Far be it for me to say that. But I hope everybody is safe and they enjoy a great celebration if indeed it happens tonight on Sunday or for Game 7. That's going to do it for us. That was the Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. All 750 milliliter bubbles bottles are on sale, 15% off. So are Bubbles boxes as well. Stop by Argonaut Wine and Liquors. Westward calls them the best liquor store in Denver, five years running. You can also order online, ArgonautLiquor.com. If you order is over a hundred bucks. They're going to deliver for free. They deliver all over the Denver Metro area. And don't forget about their 4th of July specials starting next week. Nigel and Danny. Great job today. As always, hopefully on Monday, we are talking about a Stanley cup title, make it the best possible weekend. You can.